The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back into the Doctor's Lounge. I'm your host, Dr. Hal Schurz, and each week I and uh, my co-host, Dr. Scott Barber, bring you the information that you need to be hearing about healthcare issues so that you can advocate for yourself and for your family and uh, make sure that you are getting what you need from your doctors and the healthcare system. The um, uh, Doctors Lounge show is brought to you by the Docs for Patient Care Foundation, which is the only healthcare think tank in the country run entirely by physicians. Our um, website is triple W D the number four PC foundation.org. That's D four PC foundation.org. And our um, existence is uh, in your hands. It re- we really depend on the uh, support and generosity of uh, the listeners out there who enjoy this show and who uh, who follow the work that we're doing. And we really um, uh, can't do this without you. And we appreciate all your help and support now more than ever. Now where politics and uh healthcare intersect so uh so um uh, apparently and and so it's really important for you to just go to the uh the your our website uh and um, make a generous contribution uh no amount is too small or too large and uh let it lets us continue doing the great work that we're doing including this radio show and including our upcoming uh, d- uh, direct primary care uh, conference, which is the uh, fifth conference um, that we've put on. We It was on hiatus for a couple of years uh, because of COVID, but we are back live and back better than ever. It is in Dallas at the Renaissance Hotel um, from uh, November um, 11th and 12th. That's Friday, November 11th and Saturday, November 12th. This is a conference that is um, unlike any other. It gives direct primary care tools to uh, doctors who wish to get out of the uh, the off the hamster wheel of uh, having to depend on insurance and uh, churn patients in their office, and instead um, focus more. On patient care. That's what direct primary care allows doctors to do. And this conference will give you the tools that you need so that you can uh, feel uh, comfortable uh, converting your practice to a direct primary care practice and uh, learn how to thrive. And in doing so, you will benefit and your patients will benefit. And this is going to be a conference where um, the people who founded the direct primary care movement will be able to share their experiences with you and uh, help you to uh, to uh, really become a better um, uh, provider of direct primary care services. Um, a slight twist to what we have done in the past where it was just didactic, this year we're going to be doing skill 
sessions where the direct primary care doctors will be able to interact with people in specialties like orthopedics, ENT, urology, dermatology, and wound management, and be able to uh, learn how to uh, incorporate that into your direct primary care practices. So if you're a physician listening to this podcast, I urge you to uh, take a, uh, a day off on Wednesday and fly down to Dallas and sign up for this meeting because you will um, get more out of this meeting than just about any other meeting that you've ever gone to. Not only will you get information, but you will be re-energized. People who've come to these meetings in the past have left this meeting feeling like they have been reinvigorated with a new lease on life in healthcare. So people who have been burnt out or questioning what they've been doing have uh, left this meeting feeling um, good about what they do, good about themselves, interacting with others who have uh, been able to help them get right. Um, if you are not a doctor who are listening to this, but you have a friend or or your direct your primary care doctor, I strongly urge you to uh, inform them about this meeting because they will, um, if they don't know about it, should and they will get a lot out of this. So go to our website at www.d4pcfoundation.org and read about what the uh, initial program it's on it's up on the website for this um, nuts and bolts 5.0 meeting is all about and uh, i promise you you will not regret coming to this meeting if you are a primary care doctor um today i wanted to focus on some um issues that are not necessarily uh, one topic related, but there are several topics that we will cover. And it has to do with healthcare in the news. I always, in doing this show, try to explain, try to teach you, the listening public, that you should never take what I say at face value. You should go ahead and Find out your own um, facts, your, uh, get your own information, and reach the conclusions that you reach after researching different issues. What a lot of people don't you know, have at their disposal are the resources that I have <coughs> to find information about what's going on in healthcare. Excuse me. I got a, a little tickle in my throat. Every now and then, there's an article that appears in the Wall Street Journal in their op-ed section or in their in the body of the newspaper that has to do with a healthcare topic, which is usually fair and balanced and very informative and 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 quite important. Um, but that's not the only source of information. As physicians that are plugged into healthcare policy and um, and and politics um, and uh, just healthcare information in general, we have at our disposal, at our fingertips, a whole array of different sources of information that the lay public 
is really not privy to. If you're a physician listening to this show, you have those resources if you choose to access them. And again, I, I don't necessarily agree with everything that I'm reading on these on these resources, but I think it's very important to be able to read information about issues written by people who you don't agree with so that you can formulate your own opinions. As physicians, we have those those resources. We have places to go like Doximity, which is an excellent healthcare resource, or we have Medscape. Um, there are numerous other resources that I use that I am happy to share with everyone, but those are the two easy uh, sources of information for physicians to access. If you are a non-physician and looking for information um, about healthcare, I am going to recommend to you um, going to a couple of sources um, that, that focus on healthcare. One is an excellent publication, and it's also online. I like to get it in print um, so that I can um, actually um, have it in my hands and highlight, use my skills from from uh, from college with my yellow marker, my yellow highlighter, and highlight the the high points of articles that I come across. But that would be the Healthcare News, which is published monthly by the Heartland Institute. And the Heartland Institute is is a uh, a free market think tank. It's a nonprofit, and it is um, it is just so important. I, I, in full disclosure, I had been a consultant in the past to the Heartland Institute and uh contributor for articles there. I'm not doing that right now, but it is um, quite good. And each month there is an entire range of articles that uh, have to do with what's happening in the country on healthcare issues. So if you are looking for information, if you're hungry for healthcare information and, and trying to... Uh, um, research certain topics, it would be um, a great idea for you to uh, go to the Heartland Institute, exa- you know, examine their website, read about their healthcare um, uh, information. And if you want the publication, you know, you have to be a supporter. You have to send them a few dollars, which I think is, you know, uh, something that I have done for many years because I think it's a very important nonprofit. But they will um, provide for you a tremendous resource about healthcare. And another um, publication that comes out um, uh, on a um, on a um, I think it comes out every two weeks, um, uh, or maybe it's every four. I'm not really sure. Is the uh, Epoch Times, and it is also a very important. Uh, uh, publication. I was just interviewed for an article um, uh, in the Epoch, Epoch Times um, uh, talking about my recollections about Obamacare and how it relates to uh, certain people who are running for office right now and how they supported it um, back in 
in the day um, and what uh, that has meant to the healthcare system um, now that they're trying to run away from it. So um, these are two sources of information that I think would be um, really important for people to uh, uh, access. And uh, I, I think that you will be um, uh, rewarded in uh, in what you uh, are able to get out of, of reading these publications. So with that as a backdrop, I wanted to share with you some items in the news, in the Heartland Institute news, the, the, the healthcare uh, news, and in the resources that I've told you about that I read on a daily basis. Um, one of the things that I think people um, should uh, really understand is um, what is happening in uh, in healthcare in terms of um, middlemen, people who get in the middle of um, of the delivery of healthcare between doctors and patients. You know, there was a time where if you were sick and you needed a doctor, you went to the doctor and the doctor took care of you. This is way before insurance. Um, and you paid the doctor either, you know, um, a modest amount of money or you gave the doctor something that you produced yourself. You brought them produce that you made on your farm or you brought them a chicken or you brought them some other material if you were a tradesman in exchange for the care that the doctor would give you, a barter system. And that has changed uh, dramatically over the last 100 years um, and not necessarily for the better. Um, but um, what we are seeing today is that the delivery of health care is not um, a straight line anymore between the doctor and the patient. And there's a lot that gets in the way in between um, the, um, rece- uh, the, the delivery and the receipt of health care. And um, there were two articles that I read in in doximity that were written by people, doctors, who were obviously completely um, diametrically opposed to what's happening in healthcare. One clearly has a very left bent. The other one has a, a very right bent, but they both agree that there's a problem with the delivery of healthcare. They just disagree on how this problem needs to be fixed. And I found it very interesting when looking at these two articles, this, uh, these, these two doctors, one is a young doctor who is on the way up and looks at the system and believes that the problem is um, the fee-for-service for, uh, model that we have in healthcare. The other one is uh, a doctor at the end of their career, sort of like me. Looks, it's actually he's likely exactly the same age as me, 
who believes that the system is good, but that it's the people who are getting in the middle of health care that are driving prices up and killing the American health care delivery system. One article written by the younger doctor is entitled Fee-for-Service on Steroids, How Corporations Are Taking Over Medicine. And in this article, it, which I think people need to understand, um, it is a uh, um, an article that uh, is... Actually, I think I I, um, I I mixed that up. I think that the the middleman mentality is written by the younger doctor, and the uh, fee for service is written by the older doctor. Sorry, I got that one confused. So the older doctor, who um, who has been taking care of patients for the past thirty five years, has um, had had uh, been. Uh, Taking care of patients in a classic fee-for-service model, where um, uh, they were um, seeing patients and getting paid mostly by insurance companies in a fee-for-service um, kind of situation, and because of the pressures in healthcare over the last ten to twenty years, we have seen that fewer and fewer doctors are in private practice anymore. Um, they've had to um, sell their practices to either hospitals or um, to private equity firms, and they no longer work for themselves. And in no longer working for themselves, they no longer work for their patients. And when that happens... The um, the uh, patients wind up having to pay more for um, for healthcare, even uh, despite the fact that they may be fully insured, because none of the health insurance plans that we see these days are without high copays and high deductibles. And the more costly healthcare is, the more that gets transferred. And those costs get shifted over to patients. And this doctor, who is unfortunately had to sell his practice to a private equity firm, has witnessed firsthand what the dangers of going from a uh, privately owned uh, practice to fee-for-service from fee-for-service to a corporate-owned practice, also fee-for-service. And the, the, the big culprit here is the electronic medical record because the electronic medical record ostensibly had been developed so that records would be easier to access and it would be more portable. And people would um, uh, be able to uh, have uh, different doctors being able to collaborate and share information so that um, patients would not be mistreated or or um, they wouldn't receive 
multiple medications that might um, have conflicting side effects. And so this th- there's a good side to electronic medical records. But the dark side to electronic medical records is when it is used as a tool to overbill. Because what the electronic medical record has allowed to happen is for the use of what's called templates, where you can just check boxes, and the more boxes you check, and the more you show on that electronic medical record, the higher level you can bill the patient for that encounter. Whether or not you know you actually have delivered a higher level of care, and the private equity firms who own physician practices, they teach these doctors how to capture the greatest number of charges possible. So things that in the past, if you went to see me, for example, I wouldn't even dream of charging for. Uh, It's something that is so minuscule that it's part of coming to see me. It's not that big of a deal. But when you've got an, an entity that is um, that that owns your practice and owns you and is telling you that every move that you make in your practice, every step that you take, you have to document, not because you're trying to capture it for patient care, but you're trying to capture it as a billing tool. That just drives the costs sky high. And it is the greed of these outside interests that is making healthcare more and more expansive and more expensive. And it doesn't matter whether it's a private equity firm that owns the physician's practices. It doesn't matter if it is a hospital. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's not the physicians who are who run it and who decide how they want that practice to to um, to be run and you have outside interests telling you how you are going to treat your patients, how you're going to charge your patients, then it it is not in the patient's best interest. And these systems expand, they consolidate, they're only interested in in um, uh, becoming top heavy with non-professionals who um, teach the physicians, not just teach, but browbeat the physicians in being um, uh, better um, billers, better better uh, machines to generate more money. Because the private equity firms, they're only interested in growing the, the uh, business, and they will um, then flip that practice, they'll consolidate, make it bigger, and then sell it to another private equity firm for more money. That's how they make their money. But that's that's not in the best interest of patients. It's not in the best interest of doctors. This is why doctors burn out. And it's not in the best interest 
of the practice of medicine and the future of medicine. And what uh, the doctor who wrote this article um, likens this to is fee-for-service medicine on steroids. So fee-for-service is not bad in the hands of people who control it. But when it's no longer controlled by doctors, then it is out of control and it is a, a very bad idea, very bad for the patients and for the system. Now, this younger doctor, who I told you about, also believes that fee-for-service is bad, but believes that it there's no good in fee-for-service and would like to see, uh, in, in reading between the lines, a national-run health care system without any fee-for-service where you measure um, outcomes and uh, pay doctors based on on how patients do rather than your encounters with them and uh and that is a completely different issue and raises an entirely different set of problems because patients um you know have to take responsibility for their own health care which they often don't but it shouldn't be doctors who um, are going to pay the price because patients don't follow through. But what this doctor claims in his article, which is the middle man mentality is killing American medicine, is that before there were middle men in the picture, the doctor-patient relationship was really critical. And he points out that middlemen are are a critical part of, of business, of life. You wouldn't have um, goods coming to market without middlemen in in the picture being able to get between the manufacturer and the store that sells the goods. But in healthcare, middlemen don't play an important role because you're talking about being able to deliver health care, and you don't need the middlemen in place in order to do that. If you had a, a leaky faucet in your house, could you imagine if you had to call a, a company to find out what plumber that you had to have come and fix your leaky faucet and then pay that company a a, a fee or or the plumber had to pay that f- company a fee in order to get to you to fix your leaky faucet, that would drive up the cost of your plumbing services. And that's exactly what happens in healthcare. It's happening with insurance companies, with insurance brokers, um, which are the middlemen between the insurance company the the employer who wants to get insurance for their employees and and um, and the insurance company you get a, a broker in the middle who makes money trying to decide what the best fit for your company would be physician benefit management companies PBMs are middlemen that that get between the pharmacy and the consumer and it is has become 
um, almost, um, it, it, not almost, it's incestuous because you get um, three um, uh, PBMs um, that have emerged uh, that control 80% of the market. And insurance companies, three insurance companies own those three top PBMs. And you can't negotiate with an insurance company and get a pharmacy package. You have to use the one that the insurance company owns. And the pharmacy, the, the, the pharmaceutical industry gives kickbacks to the PBMs and to the insurance company. So all that money stays with the insurers and with the and with the PBMs, none of it gets to the patients and it just drives up the costs of healthcare, even though they say that these rebates are keeping the prices down. The middlemen get in the way and are destroying healthcare. We're going we're gonna to take a break and uh, come back and I'm going to share with you some other information on healthcare in the news when we get back. So stay with us. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. If you want the truth about politics, medicine, weapons, classic cars, and more, you'll want to tune in to America's Web Radio. You can listen to all of your favorite shows live at www.americaswebradio.com or on demand on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. That's www.americaswebradio.com. In 2009, the membership organization Docs for Patient Care was founded. People all around the country wanted to participate in the efforts of this group, and they wanted to join, but they were unable to do so unless they were physicians. It's for this reason that the Docs for Patient Care Foundation was created. Now, everyone can join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients, dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. While you're at your computer, please go to www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org and make a tax-deductible donation and join the fight along with us. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back into the Doctor's Lounge. Today we're talking about healthcare in the news, and we uh, we're talking about middlemen in the last segment, um, specifically pharmacy benefit management uh, companies. And in the healthcare news that I um, recommended from the Heartland Institute at the top of the show. Um, 
was a great article about this as well, which is about the pharmacy benefit managing manager scam. And, you know, and, and, uh, this is the kind of thing that you can read about on your own and uh, really educate yourself about. And it's really important to educate yourself about this because let me tell you, this is election season. And it started already. Early voting has, has started in a, a number of states. And, um, you know, let's, you know, I don't, um, I want, I don't want to veer off too much on politics today, but I will tell you that, um, the, uh, everything bad in healthcare, that, that, that's not true. I'm, I, I don't, I don't mean to be hyperbolic, but a good amount of what is bad in healthcare is the result of leftist policies. And they are trying to push more and more towards a single government control, single payer government controlled healthcare system. And, um, in the Trump administration, they, uh, were very successful at giving patients more rights, more leeway in deciding their own healthcare decisions. The left does not want that. The left is, um, against your ability to choose your own doctors, your own insurance, um, your own hospitals, and eventually, if they control everything, your own procedures. That's going to happen. There's no question about it. If you look at every country with socialized health care, that's exactly what happens. And if you don't believe it, just just look it up yourself. Look up um, Canada healthcare. Look up uh, healthcare in in England, um, where people are leaving that system to get the care that they need outside, or buying their own private insurance in England for their own healthcare, which they can't do in Canada to the same extent as they can in Great Britain. But this is what's going to happen with Democrat-run um, healthcare. So as you go to the polls. Um, in 2022, just remember that a vote for a Democrat is a, a vote towards um, further eroding your health care freedom, and it's going to happen. And a vote for a libertarian is exactly the same thing, because a vote for a libertarian is a vote against a conservative, and it is a vote for the leftist candidate. So it's a wasted vote. And it doesn't matter whether or not you're a prince on doing it on principle or not. You have to be a pragmatist. And there's only two choices in this country today that are pragmatic. You are either voting Democrat or you're voting Republican. And that's what it's a binary choice. <clears throat> and anything else is a wasted vote and a vote against the Republicans is a vote for the Democrats. And the Democrats will take over your health care. You could just look at their list of accomplishments, what they've done so far. You know, they've accomplished increased crime. They've increased fentanyl, increased transgender, increased open borders, increased inflation, increased gas prices, increased international stability. I can go on and on about their list of accomplishments. And if you want that, vote for them. Go for it. But if you have a brain, if you're pragmatic, 
you need to bring us back to the middle, and there's only one way to do that. But if you don't do that, you can pretty much kiss your health care goodbye. So the pharmacy benefit industry has three giant companies. They control 80% of the market, and um, the middlemen pocket much of the savings instead of passing them along to their employers who are buying the health care insurance. So what if um, they, these, these pharmacy benefit management companies allow patients access only to the products that deliver the biggest kickbacks to the PBMs instead of cheaper and equally effective drugs? That's exactly what they're doing. What if they merged with insurers and giving the um, the health insurance plans immense power over what drugs people could get instead of letting them choose um, what's available out there on the open market in a competitive environment? That's what they're doing. Um, what if the newly merged PBMs and insurers refuse to allow employers to look and hire a different PBM to create a, a program that was more affordable for their company. Well, that's exactly what they're doing. They're not letting employers do that. Um, what if the PBMs sued the federal government to block a regulation that would require them to disclose to employers the size of the kickbacks that they were getting from pharmaceutical companies? Well, that's exactly what they're doing. The PBMs are really the can- one of the cancers that we have in healthcare. And when companies have had the opportunity to shop for their own drug plans outside of the insurer insurance plan that they decided that they would get for their company, they were saving as much as 30 to 40% on their health care annually. Um, Caterpillar, the gigantic company, fired its PBM years ago. And by directly contracting with pharmacies and pharmaceutical companies, they've saved 25% annually, tens of millions of dollars that they've been able to pass along to their employees for their health care and to their shareholders because they're spending less money on health care. And this happens, this has happened in the uh, San Antonio Independent School District where they saved $2.5 million every year by being able to go outside of the big three, you know, like uh, CVS Caremark or Optum and go to the smaller PBMs that do actually pass along the rebates to their subscribers. And so, so time and time again, when you get the middleman, the PBM out of the picture, healthcare costs plummet and the pharmaceutical management companies don't want this to happen. And this will never, ever get fixed in a Democrat run healthcare system. This was already being, um, looked at in the Trump administration to try to put an end to this. And this came to a screeching halt under the Biden administration. So, again, every vote matters and it has implications. And this is one of those areas where health care costs 
could have been lower, instead are dramatically higher because the Democrat-run machine is allowing for this to happen. I want to share with you some other things that are in the news that I think are, you know, fairly remarkable. And again, I got this out of the healthcare news. And, uh, I think this is, this is a great, a great article. Um, it is about government and big tech collusion to block health information. Now, you know that I have been talking about this for the last three years. Dr. Scott talks about this regularly, about the COVID um, uh, scam, the cover-up, the, the suppression of information. Well, there were two, two um, areas here. There are two articles in Healthcare News about this. One has to do with a FOIA request, the, the Freedom of Information Act, that wanted information from the CDC about how the big media, social media companies were colluding with the Biden administration to control the flow of information. And it wasn't until the, um, the, the FOIA request was finally granted, um, by the, and, and information was, was provided by the CDC that we discovered that what the Biden administration was doing was directing social media companies to, uh, determine based on what the, the Biden administration was saying, what inf- disinformation and misinformation was. Now, this FOIA request proves that, that, uh, that the Biden administration and big tech knowingly and intentionally combined to mislead the public about the origin of COVID-19 information on social media. And they censored social media users who dissented from the government's approved talking points. And they concealed the government's role in writing and publishing the masking and vaccination talking points. Everything that we were, we were critical about were uh, based on what the Biden administration was directing social media to do. And the records indicate that Twitter, Facebook, and Google regularly colluded with the CDC to stifle information contrary to the CDC's official positions regarding topics such as treatment, vaccine safety, and vaccine shedding, the tendency of new contagions to arise and spread from vaccine recipients to other people. How how often did we hear that if you take the vaccine, that that would protect you and it would keep other people from getting the vaccine? So you were protecting yourself, but you were protecting others. How often did we hear that you had to wear the mask? We're still hearing about this mask nonsense. 
it was it was all contrived by the Biden administration and perpetuated by social media companies. And not only that, but the FOIA request shows that Facebook offered the CDC $15 million in free advertising to help to um, get their message out. And that uh, that violates so many statutes between private entities and the government. And it was completely covered up. And the records showed that the CDC officials provided Twitter with a list of 13 tweets that it deemed to be misinformation. And as a result, the accounts of multiple Twitter users were suspended. People who were uh, uh, tweeting out information that was contrary to the talking points and the media companies, the social media companies, were all too willing to jump on board and um, and get get on the bandwagon with the Biden administration and their their plan. This was collusion on on the grandest scale, which we would not have known about without the Freedom of Information Act information. Um, and what this shows is that um, the government is saying that they are the only source of truth. We've heard this before. We've heard this in the 1930s in Europe. We hear, heard this in the 1940s and 50s in the Soviet Union. We hear, we heard this in the 1940s and beyond in China, where the government is the only source of truth. And any, any dissenters will be punished. And that's exactly what this FOIA request, what this information shows is the gigantic smoking gun showing the collusion between the federal government, the Biden administration, and social media companies. And if you remember, um, some of the information that was flagged as misinformation turned out to be accurate. And I'll get to that in a second. But if you remember back to the team that Trump put together with Fauci and Deborah Burks, um, Deborah Burks said that um, she was the COVID-19 response coordinator. She admitted, she admitted that she knew that the COVID-19 shots would not prevent infection. She knew it. But they did not let that information get out there in the public. And now there's evidence that the mRNA that is part of the vaccine, it's not really a vaccine, it's genetic engineering, it does exactly that because the mRNA can be incorporated into the DNA of recipients via a process called reverse transcription and alter the DNA of the people who are getting those shots. And, you know, and, and there's going to be a lot 
of information that comes out in the next 10 to 20 years about what this whole regime has wrought on the public. Because we are seeing some of the most unusual, some of the weirdest um, problems come up in people who did not have problems historically. Young people who are who are collapsing at an inc- alarming rate um, on on sports fields, on basketball courts, um, who are in good health, and it's it's at a rate far greater than we've ever seen before that can be accounted for by um, just random deviation. There's only one common denominator, and that's that the majority of these individuals received this this shot that has changed their their DNA in in some way, shape, or form. Another FOIA request that uh, that had uh, been um, suppressed is about the big tech government censorship enterprise um, that uh, the some state attorney generals um, uh, discovered. So the Missouri attorney general, uh, Eric Schmidt, and the Louisiana attorney general, Jeff Landry, um, made a request to the Department of Justice for a FOIA request to find out what was going on um, with the big tech Biden administration collusions. And they found out the exact same thing that the FOIA request to the CDC uncovered, which was that there was massive collusion between the Biden administration and the big tech companies. And um, they tried very hard to not release this information cowering behind the the curtain of executive privilege but eventually they um, they had to succumb and uh, and and produce the uh, the information uh, because it is public information it is not confidential it is not top secret like they were trying to claim uh, Trump had in his in his uh, Marlaga estate. This was this is information that is accessible to the public, and uh, it was again very clear about the collusion between big tech, Twitter, Facebook, Google, and the Biden administration. And instead of screaming from the from the the top of of the tallest buildings, the academic. Institutions in healthcare and the journals are are kind of shrugging their shoulders, and they're not they're not screaming about the suppression of of uh, of information and contrary opinions. It's so anti science. It is so against what these supposed academicians are supposedly all about that it really shatters your faith in organized healthcare, organized medicine, academic healthcare. And it is, it is frightening. It is disgusting. And if we don't see some uh, change, some come to the, coming to the center and and being truthful, then once again we are seeing 
the um, rapid demise of the greatest healthcare system in our country. Staying on the topic of COVID and the cover-up, there was a study that came out of Brazil, and this is all in the healthcare news. So again, you can read about this yourself, and you can check on it. It's all there. Um, there was a study that came out of Brazil that um, showed that um, ivermectin, when used prophylactically, that means using uh, using it a small dose on a regular basis, because it is one of the safest drugs that is out there. Um, it resulted in a twelve and a half decrease, twelve and a half fold decrease in mortality rate. The people who were getting it on a regular basis, or the people who didn't get it, let's put it that way, had a 12 and a half times greater chance of dying. And, and this is not something that you can look at and say, aha, here is the evidence that, that, um, that ivermectin is, is, uh, was the answer. What it does tell you, though, is it should raise questions because, again, the government position isn't the only position. And if the government is telling you that that's the only position, there's a gigantic problem there. And people should question it. And doctors should be the ones leading the way. But when they are being threatened with loss of their licensure, loss of hospital privileges, or worse then they are censoring them and and they are um, putting down any kind of of uh, legitimate um, discourse. And that's very bad for patients and bad for medicine. And the government cannot be trusted when it comes to health care. You look at Fauci. Here's another article. Fauci to leave NIH but not retiring. And this is so crazy. This is this is something this article is is should should really trouble so many people but he is really the guy who is in charge of the suppression of the information that came out in the FOIA requests and um you know he is responsible for suppressing the origins of the covid vaccine because of his role in the gain of function research in China um, he discredited scientists and doctors who questioned the government positions on lockdowns and on masks and on the vaccine regime. And um, But the biggest problem that just came out that people need to be really concerned about is the fact that there were royalty payments from private companies to NIH scientists under his wing. And Rand Paul has been all over this. And God willing, in a Republican-run Congress, this information will hopefully be more forthcoming and we will get answers to what happened. But through another FOIA request, it has been discovered that outside organizations found 
that 1800, 1800 doctors that are on the payroll of the NIH have received in total $193 million in royalties from pharmaceutical companies. Uh, that right there blows me away because I can't get a stinking pen from a pharmaceutical company because they are are trying to um, maintain arm's length distance. And yet you've got 1,800 doctors under Fauci's um, uh, control, and God knows how much Fauci has had. We don't know how much of that $193 million he's received, but he's the guy who is responsible for what's um, acceptable information, what's misinformation, what's disinformation, what's policy, and getting royalties for these vaccines from companies that are producing them. If that does not stink, if that does not wake people up to show you the corruption when government is in charge of health care, then nothing will and you deserve what you get if you allow this to continue. And what this has done, it really has raised considerable concerns, considerable doubts about the integrity of the NIH, of the CDC, of the FDA, and there needs to be a gigantic major overhaul in each of these agencies. And that won't happen without you, because that only happens one way. So if you're happy with this, if you like the way it's going, then just allow it to continue because it will get worse. So that's healthcare in the news. Um, go to the go to Heartland Institute and find out um, more about what we've talked about today, and, and do your own research. And go to the D4 PC Foundation website and. Uh, Learn about our uh, direct primary care conference and plan to attend if you are a primary care doctor. You will not want to miss it. Thank you for being with us today. We'll see you back uh, next week with Dr. Scott on the Doctor's Lounge. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.